is the curiosity as to where we are, what we the are. The existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. Welcome to the Curious Humans podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Miller. Hello, Curious Humans. This is one hell of an episode with movement expert Aaron Alexander. It is packed with information and just super practical takeaways, particularly towards the end. I'm currently holding in my hand a copy of Aaron's book. It's called The Align Method, and it's one of the books that has most impacted my relationship, not just to fitness and movement, but really a philosophy and a way of seeing the world as a playground. And the fact that I'm recording this while squatting is mostly thanks to his wisdom and and his research. This is one hell of a broad conversation. We range from talking about the value of play and emotional fluidity to post-ejaculatory experiences and a mini masterclass in how to leverage your physiology and posture to directly change how you feel. This conversation is brought to you by the one and only Nervous System Mastery, which is my flagship five-week bootcamp designed to equip you with evidence-backed protocols to cultivate greater agency over your physical, mental, and emotional state. The 2022 cohort will be running this November, and my sense is that if this conversation with Aaron resonates with you, then you'd probably be a really good fit for the upcoming cohort. The Nervous System Mastery curriculum is is my attempt to distill pretty much everything that I've learned in recent years about how to create the conditions for our nervous systems flourishing. And previous students have shared how taking part has not only improved their sleep and the quality of their relationships, but also tap into deeper states of joy and clarity and confidence. So with all that said, I'm really proud of the way this is coming together. If you are intrigued at all, you can find more details and apply to join this coming cohort at nsmastery.com. Okay, without further ado, please enjoy this uninterrupted deep dive conversation with the insanely curious and ever eloquent Mr. Aaron Alexander. We're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. Johnny Miller. Aaron Alexander, it is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. I love the idea of having you here when it's like we're like both in our, our respective living rooms or whatever. Yeah, it's like here. Yeah. We're still well, kind um, of here together. We're tuning to each other's facial expressions and voice tonality and shit. Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling here in three words? Well, hmm, interesting. Three words. How do I feel? I feel excited for the day. It's very sunny outside. I'm excited to go get some sunshine, meet up with some people. So excited. I feel curious. I feel grateful. I mean, grateful is kind of like a cliche, fluffy, overused term at this point, but those are kind of sensations that are that are coming out right now. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, it's also a feeling as well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, the question that I, I like to use as like a jumping off point for these conversations is, were you exceptionally curious as a child? And 
If so, could you tell me a story about something that you were curious about? That's so funny. My response is that I feel curious. Is that really, that's that's like your prefabricated question yeah. is, is, were you curious? And like, how do you feel? I feel curious. Exactly. Damn, Johnny. <laughs> intuitive Johnny. You're just intuitive Johnny. Yeah, super curious. Growing up, felt pretty, I think, out of place, confused. Like, what am I doing here? What, like, who are these people? What's the what's the point of any of this? And then started to slowly emerge from that cocoon and then became a bit more extroverted. And the curiosity has always been massively prevalent for me to the point of like getting in trouble. Mm. So like just asking too many questions. And well, I don't know, too many that's a subjective idea, but but just if I don't understand a thing. It doesn't like land in an embodied way. I'll just, I, I, I can just keep on asking until, you know, I arrive at some place of like homeostasis with an idea. And that has historically arrived me into certain situations of problems. Like an example, I was telling you, I went to the Rolf Institute in Boulder, mm -hmm. Colorado, where you just moved to. Mm -hmm. And there I got, I, I kind of like almost got kicked out of the Rolf Institute because I asked too many mm -hmm. questions. And there, so there was, there was like a, a, a challenge with one of the teachers in particular, mm. my, my perhaps proje projection, but at least suggestion would be that there was like insecurity on said teacher's part. And he has this, you know, smart ass, like maybe hyper analytical pupil in his class. That's just continues delving into said responses from teacher and the idea from said teacher was that like I'm intentionally challenging him because I'm just trying to be, you know, be a cunt. And when in <laughs> fact, for me, it's just, it's really truly like, especially in the, in the realm of like the metaphysical space and kind of like the woo language and things of that sort. I just, I'm, I'm just very curious to have a, an actual embodied understanding of like what people mean when they say certain things like energy or when they mm. say things like just any any of any of those kind of broad type concepts, I, I'd really love to arrive at a point where I'm actually like, oh yeah, like I get it, I totally get it, and and not just come from a place of I, I grew up in, in like very like Christian background, and like the, the the main theme of Christianity is like faith, you know, and you kind of like you know, it's like a can be like a dick measuring contest contest of like who has more faith, and that like blind faith concept is, 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 can be uneasy for me where I'm like, okay, like mm -hmm. faith is, is Im important as like a foundation to feel, you know, safe. And then, cause ultimately we don't know what the hell's going on here. So just having that faith of like, yeah, like somebody's got this, you know, or something's got this or some universal love or some, you know, old white bearded man sitting in the corner of my room watch me jerk off, you know, he's got me, you know, however it goes that, that just having blind faith has been uneasy experience for me. So my, my tendency historically is just like, keep asking questions to the point of sometimes it can almost edge around feeling disrespectful. <laughs> wow. I, I love that. And maybe people that grew up with those experience end up selling podcasts just so they have an outlet for that. I know it's so convenient. Like, wait, there's <laughs> actually. Great a role it's, where you can just yeah. endlessly ask questions and just social be validation for our addiction for for curiosity yeah that works out 
yeah I, I i really resonate with that i also did a yoga teacher training a few years ago and similar didn't get kicked out but also just got into kind of tussles with the teacher for asking questions about chakras and about energies and about all these things and oh yeah it was juicy i mean i think it kind of ended up making the whole learning experience more productive but it was still like it was edgy and there was like real emotional charge at, at well, if you don't have individuals like that then we you know still live in a in a in a paradigm that all of the planets orbit around the earth and the world is flat and germ theory doesn't exist you know so without people challenging mm -hmm. norms then there is no evolution mm. so it's very yeah. convenient but if all you have is people challenging norms then there's no stability yep. so there's a there's a and so it's very easy to uh, kind of pride oneself around like whatever camp that they exist in but i i i feel that you know humans are kind of a, a broader organism and we all have you know we're like ants you know or a, a colony where there's like okay cool there's the queen the queen does the queen thing there's like the the, the worker ant and the soldier and then the explorer and they go out and they you know see potential new lands to make ant mounds you know and no one is better they're all just actually one integrated system. And so having appreciation for the person that is super type A personality, super by the book, follows the rules, like that's really invaluable for the, mm -hmm. the human colony, the hive. And then the person that's just like the punk rocker, you know, is kissing dudes and, you know, has like a purple mohawk and is just like, no, like whatever you do, I'm just going to do the opposite. I'm just going to mm -hmm. test that like super valuable you know and then having these people kind of that that are you know in the middle it's it's you know it's all it's all apart beautiful so that, that's quite a nice segue to i'd be shocked if you remember this but i'm pretty sure about seven or eight years ago we met briefly in uh tagazoot in the sun desk co-working space and oh this were, is you yeah and you were the one guy who you were squatting and using like a, like your own kind of handmade standing desk and you were the only person in the whole space like everyone else was sitting down like what is this guy doing that is squatting hilarious. on the floor <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> yeah i mean that would be an example of that like that's mm. like the, the 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 norm if you were statistically speaking if you're to examine western culture you would see the statistics are like unsettling at best kind of from a, a lens of of you know usage of of medications for anxiety and depression and you know that like the trend towards people just getting fatter you know just mm -hmm. more obesity and you know diabetes and you know there's if you were to look at things i mean there's also a lot of other amazing things there's a lot of love a lot of like innovation a lot of creativity a lot of joy and you know just growth and potential and aspirations and all of that there's like a lot of good stuff but yeah if you were to look at things from from the lens of and just look at us at a, at, a, at a on a chart level it'd be like holy shit like this place is not functioning as well as it it could there's there's probably some shifts that could be had and so if every person would just align with normalcy then that statistical trend would continue trending that direction essentially waiting for some jerks to be like hold on like i feel like there's there's a better way to do certain things 
Mm-hmm. You know, an, an example of that would be if, if you're a person that's in Tagazoot, Morocco, working in a computer shop like space and everyone is doing the same thing. They're in a, you know, a blue lit room behind windows that are blocked, but they're blocking you know, UVB rays of light mostly. Their vision is poured into a screen that's three feet in front of them or, you know, a yard or a meter in front of them, whatever and are sitting in a position that's disadvantageous for the, the, the structure of their spine, the muscles that sequence in order to allow you to digest and respirate and circulate. It would, it would be supportive to have some jerk be like, I, I'm just going to do this different. And if there's not some jerk that's willing to do it different, then things will just go with the trend. And Mm -hmm. if we were living in a trend that was like, everything's just, we're just getting healthier. We're getting smarter. We're getting less anxious. We're getting less depressed. We're getting less suicidal ideation within Mm -hmm. young people. We're getting less shootings that Mm -hmm. randomly pop up and like a, like a frightening rate. Then it'd be like, yeah, but let's probably not buck the system too much. But until the system is in that place where it's just like, bro, look at the stats. Like, we're just getting better. We're actually waiting for people to be courageous enough to essentially like be an outcast and be like, you know what? Like, I like intuitively, something feels, it feels better to, to live in this way. I do, it's really important for me to be a part of the tribe and feel like held and supported and safe in that way. But I'm willing to perhaps sacrifice some of that like normalcy and tribalism mm. to do or be this this way or this thing that's that that you know feels feels better for feels better for me <laughs> like mm. i'm willing to do that and then you mm. know other people can make fun of you or you know they can they can ride along or they can ask questions or whatever but it's it's really important to have people like that i think yeah, it's it's almost like this, like the healthy trickster impulse, and and that I, I love that you use the word courage as well, because I think there is this something I've talked on the podcast a lot about is this idea of courageous curiosity and the idea of like looking inwards and kind of feeling into the into the pain that's there, and I think it takes both that that courage and that curiosity, and and there's an interesting yeah interesting pairing there. So. Well, since since we met in Tagazoo, you've been you've been ridiculously productive. You've written an amazing book. You've you've done hundreds of podcast episodes. And I was rereading through the book to prepare for this conversation. And I think one of the most like radical kind of culture bucking ideas is this this idea of the connection between our physical patterns and how that relates to our, our history and our, our personalities. Hmm. So I'd love to ask, like, if you were if you were meeting someone for the first time, what are some of the things that you're that you're tracking? Like, maybe it's the tone of their voice, maybe it's like it's their posture. Like, what are the things that you're the cues that you're seeing, which give you some kind of insight into the general state of their nervous system? Well, if you become too informed and impose too much of your perception of like preconceived preconceived filters of perception of what certain patterns mean you can start to project meaning atop of something that actually isn't authentically there Mm. and so that's that's a bit of the the danger of 
reading too many books on body language, <laughs> you know, and becoming like mm -hmm. a, a lie detecting expert and yep. such, yep. you know, and you can start to, and then perhaps upon you projecting these belief systems on someone else, then there's also a possibility to start to draw out those realities within that person. So mm. if you start to mm. see a person as a liar, mm -hmm. start to mm -hmm. see a person as a, you know, a, a bad guy or girl or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. that person receives that information from you mm -hmm. and it may actually start invoking some of those patterns within them, mm. you know? So, and then the same is true. If you see patterns of like, man, like I, 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 I see that this individual, maybe they walk into a room and they have, you know, a, a, a $50,000 watch, you know, and they've, they've got like a really fancy car and, you know, their hair's done really well and their beard's perfectly manicured or, or girl or, you know, whatever they got perfect fake tits or whatever that perhaps could be a lot of things. One of the things that maybe is some form of like protective patterning around mm -hmm. a person that actually feels like unlovable, you know, or, or, or feels out of place or feels has felt disempowered at some point. And now they've run this compensatory pattern to find some guys in the form of money, power muscles is a big one. That's kind of more my background because I, I, I hadn't been able to figure out like the money and power thing. So I just leaned on muscles as a way of protecting. And then there's the possibility of pouring on like, oh, this person's fake. This person's, you know, all of these things. There's also the availability and then that will, that will cause them to be defensive. And then be, when they're defensive, they're going to lean back into their compensatory patterns because it's all survival stuff. It's all just adaptive patterns. There's another possibility in the, in like the interaction between people of seeing that person is from a place of like, oh, I see like a, a, like a boy, you know, or I see a little girl and I see like you know, this, there's like a, there's like a, a hurting in there someplace mm -hmm. and we've insulated all this padding around that, but there's still some undressed, like hurt little boy, hurt little girl. And this may be, you know, projection as well. So you have to be careful of all this stuff, but mm -hmm. the, the, the invitation to start to just explore the exercise of seeing, seeing, you know, these, these grown adults that seemingly have it all figured out no one does as like, Oh, that's like, I see a little boy. I see a little girl, you know? And like, I like, I love that little boy. I love that little girl. And I see your watch and I see your car and I see like all, all of the things. And like, I love, I love that, you know? And, 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 and from there, and I love what they've done for said person as a, like a protective mechanism. Like, man, I'm so I, like, I love this protective mechanism. Because this is this is what's allowed you to survive and like and it's like it's been something you've been able to lean on to feel safe. Like, man, I like I love that. And then that person, and I can like, you know, I feel it in you now as we're talking, there's like there's a certain level of like emotiveness there. It's like, oh, okay. Now suddenly there's that that opens up this other layer of that person. So it goes from defensiveness leaning more into the patterns to a place of like vulnerability and then like an opportunity for healing J just in a, a random interaction possibly mm. Mm. beautifully put yeah what that brings up in me is this idea of of making generous assumptions about others and and about and and what i think 
this comes down to like when you're you're talking about the protective mechanisms i think if, if i find myself judging someone else's let's say it's the watch or let's say it's like the the ferrari outside what i've realized is that's almost like that's me judging a part of myself when i have those same protective impulses and kind of put up my barriers it's like my inability to love my own protective mechanism is being <clears throat> almost mirrored back to me through that prism of someone else yeah um so an, unaccept that... an acceptance of some part of yourself and that yeah. part of yourself that maybe you feel ashamed of if you don't feel totally. ashamed of it there's not like a like a charge around the thing for you you just see everything as just being cute mm -hmm. it's like oh it's cute like it's great <laughs> i'm not mad about it you know like like it's just this is just, just so cute you're like you're, you're you know we're just a couple of kids here yeah 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 there's a I, i've been fascinated by this idea of interoception in the in recent years and like my my background growing up in england was very much kind of emotionally repressed as the majority of british men are i think and I, I pretty much spent most of my life pretty numb from the neck down and so as i started to explore breath work plant medicine like these types of things there has been this greater sense of somatic awareness that's been coming online and i like to use the analogy of a, of a chef it's almost like I'm like learning to taste myself and expanding this interoceptive capacity. You're a drinker on pee? I've, I have friends who've tried that, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I nice. haven't. It's I, not that I lived bad. in Bali for a year. So it's not that, it's not that it was, bad. It was offered to me many times. You're, like, a drinker and, you're a drinker and semen? You ever try it? That I have, yeah. Nice. <laughs> How was the experience? I empathized with, I guess, women for, yeah, it was actually surprisingly, I don't know, refreshing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Damn, yeah, there you go. It was, there, there was part of a. I'm just gonna go ahead and share this on a, <laughs> on the podcast, but there was part of a men's retreat where there was an invitation to offer the semen into the soil, and we kind of planted this tree that was like the collective. It was like this representation of the generative desire that a man's semen kind of represents. Wow. And in some ways, it like it reframed what I think. I mean, you mentioned shame. I think you know, semen is something that. I certainly was ashamed of probably for, you know, it's almost, it's like a mess that you have to clear up. Oh yeah. Um, and this really reframed it as to, wow, this is like the life force within me that has this generative potential to create life. I'm like, wow, like that's something that should be celebrated and should be viewed as almost sacred in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk, jerking off or having sex or ejaculating or whatever. It's, it's very interesting because the, the, it oscillates your experience oscillates so rapidly from mm -hmm. your like primal urges, which is to you know, perpetuate the species and get your jizz in as probably as many gals as you, as you probably can be my guess as far as like, it's like making human new humans perpetuating like your, your genetics. So there's like that, that very primal animalistic part. And then mm -hmm. there's the post ejaculatory i've heard my buddy chris williamson also another british guy called post-ejaculatory clarity where suddenly it's like you become more like oh like okay i'm not an animal anymore and like <laughs> you know here i am i'm just fucking this dude the, the jizz rag neocortex comes like, back what the hell like, happened oh, shit. yeah how did i how did i get here i'm so confused and then within that though that there there can be like a truckload of like pure Puritanical, probably largely puritanical shame around mm. sexuality, around having a penis or an anus. It's all like dirty, kind of like little like your, your private parts. You don't talk about that. You don't think about that. It's wrong. There's the, mm -hmm. the bearded 
man stroking his beard watching you wank in your you know your your bedroom growing up it's like oh there's like so much of that it's just like very deeply baked into you know western culture yeah and so then i think there's this it's very it's almost like a like at, at breakneck speed there's like a there's like a, a whiplash effect of all of that indoctrination gets piled into that 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 moment of post-ejaculatory <laughs> clarity you know and the prolactins and all the you know all the chemicals come in and it's it's, it's very fascinating to go from like full mm. primal mm. animal self to mm. all of the learned patterns of what this is and what this means and and mm. you know who am i now it's very interesting yeah. that experience yeah yeah it's, it's like a it's like an instant state change and uh, for me i think like part of my my journey in bali was was working through a lot of deeply ingrained shame that was kind of mostly stored in my hips and my pelvis and, and i realized that shame kind of coming back to this idea of interception i think one of the effects of of shame is that it does tend to kind of numb and it almost like makes us unaware of, of whatever's there and so i'm curious like how would you say your how has your inner landscape shifted over the past decade or two since you were kind of the guy who was looking to build muscle to overcompensate for whatever reasons like how has your kind of curiosity that's been directed inwards opened up this this like internal landscape for you well <clears throat> i think that a quality that i've noticed within myself is it's hard to cause me to be overly unaccepting of what is sometimes like experience like when I, I remember when i was young i had a i just recently actually had a friend die just like a couple of weeks ago but we hadn't really talked a ton over the last like 10 years but we were like very close friends for for a while and in situations like that there was another situation when someone died when i was like i was like much younger i was like 11 or 10 or something like that and that was like a very deep unacceptance you know, where it's just like, I do not accept reality. Like this, rea I just, I'm not, not here for it. This is not happening. This cannot be happening. This is not happening. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to like, you know, this is not happening. And I think that I have come to a place where it's, it's hard for someone to say something such as like you and your buddies did like a jizz ceremony and you all got together and like jerked off on a tree together. Like that to me is something that, and I'm like intentionally like joking, joking, belittling, but, but like that to me is something that I could see many versions of myself being like, oh, this is, that's too much. This is just ridiculous. You know, you know, this guy's, this guy's fruitcake, you know, whatever, like all the different stories of like, oh boy. But then there's like another now in this present place, I think I've been surprised so many times and thought that I knew what I know so many times and be like, oh no, like that really, I was, I was completely wrong. Like I actually, I just was unexperienced. I just don't, I just don't know enough times that I feel very like receptive to some of the most weirdest, ridiculous expressions that a, a person possibly could be manifesting. So I think that, and then within that, that, that having running that operating system of it being challenging to be judgmental and be surprised. I think that that opens up more potential to also have that within yourself and just like, mm -hmm. just like 
as opposed to going to uh this is kind of similar thing of like reading patterns with other people as opposed to jumping to conclusions of like okay this happened now this is what this means and this is bad you know instead coming from a place of just like oh like this just is that's not i don't i don't i don't need to apply a moralistic judgment you know and put it into a bucket of this is bad this is good it's like this just is and then from that going into a place of like there is such a thing as as choosing a direction and saying okay this leads me closer to this direction that i've i've deemed like where i'd like to go or this leads me further away from the direction that that i that i'd like to go so it's not just complete dust in the wind everything just is namaste i accept all you know you can do whatever do whatever you whatever you choose with me there is there is value in choosing direction and having like a like a masculine i guess like presence in that way of like directionality of like no, no like like we're I'm, i am on a ship I, I i do want to get to britain or wherever I'm, wherever i'm trying to go to from florida and these winds that are coming in are kind of sending us in a different track so like i'm aware of where i want to go but then also when there's a storm not just going into a place of like oh my god woe is me oh i'm a victim oh this is bad oh this is wrong oh this isn't supposed to happen all of all of those parts i think don't really like serve the highest good of of a of a person so i think that 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 would be one thing that that if there was like something that i'm like i feel grateful for would be a a general tendency of of, of being like just less attached and more just curious Hmm. Hmm. yeah there's a there's a really interesting i think like dance between like that masculine having an intention having a drive like this i want to get to that mountain over there Mm -hmm. and then like you said when the storms come you mentioned that a friend of yours died recently and what was the main catalyst for me going into kind of my inner journey let's say was was my fiance at the time took her own life and in the beginning it was it was the same kind of like initial denial that i was like this is just nope i'm just not gonna look at this and i remember actually seeing or, th- or thinking of older people who had also like lost lost people in their lives and i'd seen how the the unfelt and unprocessed grief had almost turned them into these like bitter pessimistic cynical versions of themselves yeah they don't want to get hurt again so you closed out Right, and, and you don't want to. And then, if you close, if you close down, then you can't breathe, like metaphorically, and and then eventually mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. expresses out into like the way that you breathe. Yeah, right, it, exactly. And and then so so maybe coming back to the the storm metaphor, I think like my my experience was that this like tsunami had come and just like wrecked my ship, and I was like like kind of floating on a life raft, and what what actually allowed me to really move through that in in a in a beautiful way was almost this sense of like surrender and almost like letting go of the life raft and and feeling what was there and so yeah when you talk about these storms coming like there is i think on one hand there's like the healthy impulse to say maybe like self-regulate to like do the practices to kind of get us down into feeling like ourselves and then there's the other also healthy impulse which is to almost like listen to what what it is that our body wants to do the the sound or the movement that we want to make and almost mm. just trust that. And and, and, and I, I think about this in the work that I do with the nervous system where there are some cases where let's say someone's just been through a really stressful experience and maybe 
the appropriate thing is to help them to ground, like to help them to to downregulate, help them to kind of come back into a sense of safety in their bodies. And then maybe in another example, the the right course of action is is like allow them to actually feel the full impact of whatever that of whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like the <clears throat> you're. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with Peter Levine based off of the way you're you're talking. Like sure. Waking the Tiger, Bessel van der Kolk also is another good resource. And this is, is like seminal books. The Body Keeps the Score. Just getting into the like, somatic release realm, mm-hmm. and you know a zebra. Zebras don't get ulcers. Another really good one from Robert Sapolsky. If they go through some traumatic scenario which trauma i find i have resistance around words like that because mm-hmm. they're, they're just they're just so just filled with a, barnacles of different a, people's meanings and yeah 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 but whatever some trauma essentially i, I like the definition i don't know whose definition it maybe come more maybe pure lupine or whatever but essentially just a, a trauma would be something that and this is paraphrasing this is kind of my own version of trauma definition of trauma right now but some incident that transpires that you do not feel resourced enough to be able to process trauma you know if someone if if you someone gives you a hundred dollars you can process that fine and you're like oh okay cool event hundred dollars i have a hundred more dollars like cool nothing traumatic about that my fiance chooses to transition out of her body i i don't know how to process that I don't know where to put that. Mm-hmm. It, it went somewhere. <laughs> you know, it didn't just not, just because your consciousness didn't feel enough to be able to integrate that and move that and 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 find some sensation of, of resolution around that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It is there. You know, the, the corresponding neurochemistry and, and endocrinology and just the way that you, you're, your vibe, you know, the, the bioenergetics of yourself, it's all there, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and, and, and then there's a, a looking away because I can't handle it. Trauma, mm-hmm. you know? So, so just to put like some version of, of, of definition around it. So it's not just like a big nebulous word. Mm-hmm. If a, a zebra or some creature <clears throat> or a human, like a, like a, probably like a non, non domesticated human, experiences some scenario like that i was almost killed by a lion they had their mouth around my neck somehow something happened i got away i'm out i'm i'm you know and now i i have this buildup of of all of the corresponding you know, norepinephrines and cortisols and you know the adrenaline's just it's all it's i'm full your trauma mode i'm gonna go find a shady place and i'm gonna just probably go through this like almost like maybe it might start almost like disembodied trembling release pattern of it that i don't have a story around i'm not finding a first aid kit and you know doing some kind of practice i'm not you know leaning i'm not i'm not doing any of any of my tools i like i i'm just allowing you know like all of all of my physiology is just it's just i'm allowing my physiology to express the way that it does mm-hmm. that allows that what could have been a a unprocessed trauma in quotations 
to actually become processed and move and clear. And then I still can have sadness and I still can have remorse and I still can have all those things, but I don't have bun a bundled up charge that I've looked mm -hmm. away from. Mm -hmm. And there's bundled up charges. You call them like, like, in, like an impression you could say mm -hmm. it's like the, there's a Sanskrit word for Im impression Scar called, what is it? What is it called? Samskara. Samskara. Yeah. Samskara. So that's in, in Vipassana meditation. That's like the, that's like the, that's the big thing. You just sit with yourself for what seems like ever and you don't do anything don't do breath work stuff don't eat a handful of mushrooms don't do yoga you literally just sit and if you sit long enough things will start to emerge because you have more bandwidth available to to introspect mm -hmm. and then once the plate is open for those other things that you've typically probably spent most of your life bypassing in the form of making more money, you know, getting a better outfit, getting a hotter girlfriend, getting a fancier car, getting more muscles, you know, getting smarter, getting funnier, you know, whatever the, the systems of protection are, those deeper parts start to surface. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, it's like a cycle. So if you, if you, if you're willing to just be with the thing for long enough, the thing will start to, to surface. And if you're willing to be courageous enough to, to not judge it, put a label on it, not have a practice around it, or well, I mean, I guess this, in this case, this would be the, the practice of Vipassana. So maybe have a practice, you know, a practice of like stillness, then your deeper, like just millennial old physiology will start to come through and have a voice and say like, okay, like sit down, like I got this, like you finally sat down. Like you finally stopped intervening. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll sort this out. We'll sort this out for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love the way you describe that. And it's the, the, the image that I have is it's almost like we're like relieving this emotional debt and that we don't do it, but we can cultivate the conditions through Vipassana or like 10 days in a, in a dark room was like what a big one for me where these kind of stored... I, I, I like to think of them as like incomplete reflexes. It's like these, these, you know, survival reflexes that just didn't get the chance to be completed in the moment. They get to arise and they can express as sound, movement, crying, emotion, or just, you know, just intense sensation. All that's just um, very, sh very shameful for a lot of people. Mm, you know, yeah. The idea of like, you know, yeah. a, a dude shivering and crying or just mm -hmm. you know not being on track that's mm -hmm. you know that's not that's not like going to be on the cover of like muscle and fitness you know that's not going to be on anybody's <laughs> it's not going to be you know, a if you have a million followers on instagram you're probably not going to be like that's like the the main basis of your highlight reel of feed posts it's going to be like yeah. why you're you're awesome you know so to be in that be in that that place is like there's not a a lot of training I think for a modern man or woman, because mm -hmm. many women I think are inflicted by an urge to be dominated by their own masculinity as well. So there's, I, I, I think presently the, the state of modern culture largely not like a hundred percent, but largely is yeah, kind of like ashamed of, of those parts, ashamed of like putting down control. And that gets, gets yeah. into like, again, like I started off kind of like 
poo-pooing on on christianity in a way but that's like the that's that's the good side of christianity <laughs> like that's the side of like okay like you know just let jesus take the wheel you know you're you alone don't got this hmm. <laughs> like you you need help yeah yeah you know, and everything, and 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 you've wanted to to be the person that's got this, and the sensation of of being really truly honest and vulnerable with like I don't got this <laughs> is very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, there's a there's a guy called Joe Hudson whose work I really love, and he talks about this idea of emotional fluidity and how the emotional hosepipe will like get kinked in different ways, and shame is is a really good way of kinking it, so it becomes like repressed in one way and then say anger could be kinked in another way where it turns into rage or you know someone's violent or, or whatever it is yeah and i really love this idea of like how do we just kind of unkink our emotional hose pipes so that whatever whatever emotion wants to come through it kind of has permission mm -hmm. um, and and this is kind of a nice segue to something that i i really wanted to talk about which is this idea and it's very connected to curiosity but it's, it's this idea of play and you strike me as this like very playful, like gloriously like goofy human being. Mm. And like has that has that always been the way for you? Do you think anything has, has shifted and 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 what do you think maybe gets in the way of that innate impulse to play? And and and, and how might someone, you know, how might someone like resuscitate this this very natural impulse? Well, <clears throat> play is a lot of things as well like everything has like a like a light side and a shadow side again use another kind of annoying term for, annoying for me but play for me my uh, uh, like adaptive survival side of of play and like humor and such for me would in part at times be like a this isn't that serious. I don't really care. Therefore, win, you know, lose, may, not, not so much win, more just like lose. If I lose or if I fail, in quotations, then I was just playing anyway. Mm -hmm. So there can be that side of, of play. And then there's like the really healing, adaptive side of play, which is you know, Stephen Porges. He coined the term polyvagal theory. He describes play and and you know particularly like like play with another person like interaction and all that as kind of like the, the the top of the nervous system food chain as far as your body being a place of safety restoration you know being able to like repair and so you know play happens all throughout nature you know not just like really smart creatures like dolphins and primates and stuff but like you see ants playing you know, like, like all the creatures play for the most part, some version of play. Humans are so playful. <laughs> like, it's so interesting. Like most of the like weapons, for example, I, I have this, this a bit about this in the, the Align Method book. And the, there's a whole chapter about play. I believe dynamite, I think it's dynamite, explosives, explosives used for like warfare came originally from the Chinese doing it for just like play just like fireworks, fireworks and silliness yeah. and just like woo like wow like it went bang like that is so wow you see the lights <laughs> you know and that yeah. and, it's, and it's being yeah. in that playful space that allows innovation and allows creativity yeah. and allows yeah. ideas that 
didn't exist before that might not work because I don't, there's no purpose. We're just playing. Like, this is like, we can do, we can do anything. We're just playing. Mm. So having that in your toolkit to be able to oscillate in and out of, of this is just a game. This is just cute. This is just fun. We're just playing to uh, this really matters. I'm like, I'm, I'm deeply engaged. You know, this is all of me and having, being able to oscillate in, in and out of that, I think is, is in, you know, and so play, it does a lot of things as a, as a, as a, 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 a young creature play would be a great way to learn social engagement. It would be a great way to learn empathy, great to learn rapport, great way to um, strengthen and integrate your nervous system your neuromuscular system and be able to just, just naturally like, like the humans and, and most all creatures have a natural disposition to when they have free time, they're going to want to go into kind of like this play mode because it's super adaptive from an evolutionary perspective, mm -hmm. you know, and it, and it, and it teaches, it really teaches you like how to drive your body, how to drive your nervous system and how to connect with other people. And how to push edges just enough and say, oh, okay, right there. Okay, back up from that. Okay, I learned. You know, whereas like a like a a, a dog, for example, if they never learn how to fill out their their bite reflex, and they don't grow up in a way that oh, I'm teething, I'm biting stuff all the time. I am so sophisticated from a from a the lens of of bite. I, I can down to like a, down to like a, you know, a dime of pressure. I, I know how to bite yep. that dog that didn't have exposure to hundreds of thousands of different like micro versions of bite becomes a very dangerous animal because mm -hmm. if you don't have exposure to the, the, all of the, the, the various, you know, the variants of the spectrum of, of pressure of biting, mm -hmm. then you 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 have the potential to just be like okay zero to hundred i have two options i have like nothing and then i get i get <laughs> reactive and it's just, there's no sophistication in there yeah yeah so that's uh, that's i think what's happening in in like many levels with play is you're learning like that bite reflex sophistication with your empathy with all of the joints throughout your body you know and it also is very supportive for like creative thinking you know, the way that you you move ties into the way that you think. You know, like smartest people in history very often garnered their ideas from taking a bath or going for a walk. Like walking in the woods is like, you know, Henry David Thoreau slash like Everett Steve Jobs slash like, you know, a lot of people, probably you and me and most people listening. When you go out for a walk, like probably that's when a lot of creative ideas come along. You let go and you're just like, ah, oh, just I'm just I'm just kind of letting letting the body move. <laughs> you know, and that's all tied into your neurology. It's all tied into the yeah. way that you produce yourself at a neurochemical level and you know, all the different levels. So it's a very adaptive mechanism play. It's like very, very important. Mm. Well said. So I I've just I'm conscious of time, I've just noticed. And I have so many other questions I, I'd love to ask you, but this has been it's been such a pleasure. Well, we um, can go a little for... bit. Let me let me see my, got, my, how much my, my my phone thing. We can go like another fifteen minutes. Let me see here. Okay. Yeah. Let me text this person.
yeah I, I can i can go until yeah like another 15 minutes and i can do the, the call at 445 okay sweet i feel like i talked i talked a lot and that was very like short <laughs> no it's great it's great so the the other i guess like theme that i wanted to touch on was there was a line in your book that i really loved it was about the endocrine system and how it like deciphers our posture almost like someone reading braille and like actually changing our mood based on the posture mm. and i find this fascinating and it's some of what I've been exploring are these like bi-directional levers or, or this like like a how to human manual I think you've talked about before on, on your podcast as well yeah and so I'd love to hear like what might be a couple of these levers or, or like go-tos for down regulation for say say a listener say someone they get stressed they get triggered by something like what might be some ways that they can actively leverage their biology in order to kind of activate their parasympathetic system and find more relaxation yeah what, what might be something that you'd you'd recommend well one would be not being biased towards parasympathetic and and like acknowledging the value of both sides of the coin mm -hmm. so that just can add like another pressure to a person of like oh man i need to like be relaxed all the time mm -hmm. like being super worked up and you know in the the fight flight response and sympathetic and all that stuff like that's like that's that's super important you know, so every time you're taking an inhalation you're activating more of that sympathetic side of the nervous system every time you're exhaling you're activating more of that calming rest digest side and, you know so one i would say like don't hold one in higher value than the other and a great way perhaps to access if a person is kind of more stuck on the throttle more like sympathetic could in fact be going deeper into the sympathetic mm, yeah you know so that's holotropic breath work that's like you know all of those those dreams yeah so that's bashing. yeah so that's so so if you're huffing and puffing and that may or may not take you into some like cathartic release type scenario mm. you're stressing yourself out you're putting yourself like right smack dab in the middle of a a, a deeply a deep sympathetic response and you are probably intentionally placing yourself into that scenario uh, in, a, in a circumstance that you you feel resourced enough to be able to like find resolve within that stored energy in quotations. Mm -hmm. So one, and it's the same thing with contraction of a muscle. Sometimes a great way if, if a muscle is chronically hypertonic, like overly toned, just stretching it might not do the trick like sometimes a great solution to finding a, a more balanced tonicity of a muscle that's chronically overly toned could be toning it more it could mm -hmm. be contracting even harder it could be having a practitioner take you into that range of motion that you're chronically held in and saying okay i'm going to actually shorten this muscle even more so you can feel it because you didn't realize that you've been chronically contracted in this position for the last mm. 26 years. Mm. So I'm going to show you what this <laughs> is, and I'm going to hold it for you. But technically, the muscles are shortening. And then you can breathe with that, you breathe with that, blah, and, then, and then you start to release out of that. You say, oh, I didn't, I had no idea. Mm. You know, so some, sometimes there's value in, you know, I think all the time there's value in respecting both sides. And sometimes the, the there's a time and a place to actually go deeper into the response that there's resist, resistance around. Yeah. 
providing there's kind of sufficient safety, I guess. Like if someone's yep. feeling frustration, then as long as they're safe to then express the anger, that might then clear the charge. Yeah. But if it's like in a boardroom meeting or like a confrontation with a partner, maybe it's yeah, it's, it's a time to go into the down regulation side. Yeah. And then so, so that's one thing. And then the other side would be that your body in many ways is your physical postural patterns in a sense are like tuning your physiology in a way. And so example, really like very clear examples of that would be like, if you are scared, you don't just get scared, like in between your ears. It's not just like a brain. You're, you're like this floating brain vacuum thing that just is fear. You in an embodied way, express out these postural neuromuscular patterns of, of what we have put a label as fear on top of. And so that might look like you might, your maybe your pupils will dilate, maybe your, maybe your traps will engage or your jaw will clench or your hands will clench. Maybe your blood will be shunted from your organs out into the periphery into your muscles to be able to like run the heck out of the room or fight or whatever. So that's interesting to look at the, the body from the lens of like, oh, this is all just information. And so if my body gets, when I feel an, a, a state or a, an emotion or whatever, my body will have a, a correlating postural orientation. So perhaps I could come in from like a bottom up lens and work with this felt state and say, okay, I'm gonna, what if I just manually reorganize my, my body into a position that is indicating like safety or indicating satisfaction or indicating joy or indicating any of that? Well, I manually take those muscles that were toned in some position that would indicate some state and I would manually place them into a new position through slow, deep pressure, through some breath work thing, through relaxing your eyes. You know, your, your mm -hmm. eyes are, yep. are neurological tissue. Like your, your, your eyes are continuous with your central nervous system. So if your eyes are chronically myopically focused in on a single point, that's the position that the orientation of your, of your eyes, when you would be in a place of like, well, there's like a threat in the room. If there's a threat in the room, you're going to focus in on that threat. If there's something you got to get done. You know, you're focus all hands on deck, like right onto that point. If there's not a threat in the room, we've cleared the room. We're relaxed. There's nothing to focus on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at ease. Then your eyes will probably take in the panorama. They'll take in the whole room. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, interesting. So when you are narrowing your vision, and on a single point, that's going to send the correlating physiology to, you know, the rest of your, your body to say, okay, cool. Like, you know, get this guy up and at him ready to go. So if you're feeling stressed, you're about to you know do some meeting thing or going on a date, you're doing a public speaking thing, competition, something that you could do beforehand would be just relax your eyes, you know, like to, to be able to focus in on an on an image that's close up, it actually takes muscular contraction. The ciliary muscles contract 
they change the shape of the lens of your eye to be able to refract that light into a single point that you can like actually see a clear image. When you just space out, you know, or just like, you know, look out into the farthest distance you can, or just kind of like, you're not really looking at anything particularly, you're just kind of taking the whole image in. Your eyes actually at a mechanical level are relaxed. Mm. And then, so what is that an indication of? From a from a a, a a structural level, it's a, from a structural level. That's an indication that you're probably relaxed. If you are, so you could tie that in as far as like actionable stuff. You could tie that in, and maybe breathe in a way that mm -hmm. indicates you're totally relaxed. So if you were panicked, you would you would huff and puff, maybe probably through your mouth if you're like really panicked. You would emphasize your inhalation. So we talked about before, that's going to rev up more of that sympathetic side of the nervous system. Your breathing rate would probably get faster. So your respiratory rate would go up, heart rate would go up. So what if I just did the opposite? Stressed out, I'm in the state, I'm feeling panicked, freaking out. Okay, I'm going to emphasize a long exhalation. I'm actually taking less air. I'm going to do the opposite of what I was told to do forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm doing, okay, I'm stressed. I get a bag, I'm a hyperventilator. <laughs> Like, okay, like, don't do that. Maybe instead, like, bring your breath into your nose. Your nose, you're going to get about half the amount of air than you would if you would through your mouth. But you actually, in fact, get more air because you're going to be filling more of your lungs. So slow your breath down, bring it through your nose, emphasize a longer exhalation. You can maybe even do like a breath hold could be a fine thing. That'll also mm -hmm. upregulate the efficiency that your body is able to actually release oxygen from your blood cells and your muscles. So if you're breathing a lot, your red blood cells become very stingy with oxygen because they're getting the indication that you have too much air. Yep, there's not if, enough CO2. If you, yeah, if you have too much air and a low amount of CO2, it's called the Bohr effect, then your red blood cells will say, okay, you have so much air I don't want to like like overventilate you. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock this I'm gonna lock this oxygen up, and so you just exacerbate that. Now I can't get enough air. I have too much air, and I can't get enough air. So my only solution is to get more air. So I'm gonna go deeper into this panic response. The vicious cycle. Yeah. So then it's like okay, like you know, I, I listened to this podcast, you know, I, I read this book or whatever. I, I learned that it's most supportive thing would actually be to like go against my instincts on this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to re gather control and quotations of my physiology in this moment. I want to breathe it all in, but I'm going to. Hey, I feel a little bit different. Wow. <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> so, so then, okay. Well, that, that changed things a little bit. Okay, I'm going to do that five times. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, wow, okay, I feel, well, suddenly I'm able to process more information. You know, suddenly I, I, I'm able to actually, like, I actually felt my vision change a little. It's like easier to have a softer gaze. Yeah. Okay, this gets into like yoga stuff. Yeah. You know, so, so now suddenly I'm like, okay, so my breathing is tied into my, in my autonomic nervous system and my eyes are tied to my autonomic nervous system. So they're all tied in the same thing. They're all the same thing. What's other stuff I could do? Well, maybe I could go get sunlight. So I'll walk outside. I'll, I'm going to take a walk. Okay, now I'm kind of 
actively, you know, I'm, I'm activating peristalsis, you know, which is like the kind of undulatory squeezing of foodstuffs through your intestines. You know, I'm starting to stimulate some of that. I'm starting to subtly massage my organs. I'm getting sunlight on my skin that has a, like an opiate like effect where it causes you actually to be less sensitive to pain. And suddenly it starts working in my favor for my hormones, starting to help boost the production of testosterone and you know, estrogen. And it's making me more sexually vital. It's making me more like engaged in the world. You know, it's made me feel more attractive. It's made me look more attractive. I'm walking, I'm circulating lymphatic fluid. So I feel more like spacious, mm -hmm. like literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. All right, how I feel. Okay, I, I relaxed my eyes. I relaxed my, or I, I augmented my breath, which, you know, in like a relaxed way, mimicking a relaxed state. I got sun exposure, which is additive to relaxation. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. I, 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 I changed my, the tonicity of my muscles. I, I got a, you know, tied a resistance band around my shoulder that was creeping up to my ears, mm -hmm. you know, and going into this defensive posture. And I'm saying, I'm going right. to traction my shoulder. So I'm right, going to put a nice. band, tie it to a bar, you know, you got a door anchor thing, tie it to a door. And I'm going to put the band around my shoulder or maybe around my traps, like that whole area, shoulder girdle. I'm going to wrap it around there. I'm going to step away. I'm going to reach my fingertips down towards the floor. I'm going to, I'm going to naturally traction and decompress my, my shoulder joint and my traps and my neck and all of that. I'm going to stretch my neck over the other side. I'm going to open up that space that was balled up, ready to fight. Now I'm going to open all that space up Now I'm going to breathe and I'm going to relax my eyes. I'm going to take a walk. Now maybe I'm going to, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, whatever. I'll jump into a cold plunge, which will actually excite that sympathetic side. But again, you're in a controlled state, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of rev yourself up to actually bring yourself back down. You know, those would all be things that would be immensely supportive to any person mm -hmm. that's experiencing stress that they, they could, you know, do without. Mm. I really love the way that you answered that because instead of kind of like giving robotic protocols it, and this kind of brings us full circle in some ways, it's like staying curious and experimenting with different things and and and, tr and trying things and seeing what the effect is on our physiology and then trying more things mm -hmm. and as you were speaking I, my my wife and i just came down from a tiny home in in the mountains up here in just outside boulder and i remember like as i saw the horizon we'd kind of been this stressed out state trying to clean the clean the airbnb we saw the horizon and i was like ah i just felt this like big exhale and this sigh like seeing that wide horizon yeah and and so i, I think like one of the one of the main things that I want to emphasize for listeners is just this idea of like experimenting and tuning into what you're feeling like as you're doing these things and then just experimenting some more and understanding some of these levers and some of these principles and just exploring for yourself as opposed to just following by rote whatever someone tells you to do. Yeah, it's very empowering. That's like the language that I use in the, the book is, mm -hmm. is you know, like you have like these physiological toggles. And so it's very empowering to, to have that sensation of understanding what certain postural, respiratory, visual expressions mean. And then saying, okay, interesting. This is like a language. 
so I, I start to bring understanding into this language mm-hmm. and I, was like, I, can, I kind of like I, I'm starting to like speak this language of physiology in a way mm-hmm. like embodied physiology and then I'm like okay well I can talk to myself I can have lots of conversations with myself mm-hmm. whereas if you you know we were both in Morocco together and so if you're in another country and you know you know 25 words from that country you'll just lean on those words a lot mm-hmm. you know in every conversation you'll kind of drive it into those words <laughs> Merci <beaucoup. laughs> yeah and so as so as a, as a, totally. a a person that's like alan watts i think he probably was i mean other people have said different versions of this probably but i think i got it from alan watts. you know to enjoy life is a skill like as you cultivate greater awareness of how to speak the language of yourself from a mental emotional level from a physiological level and understanding like oh wow like i can actually see these toggles Mm. like they're everywhere Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay well i can see them i have some semblance of understanding of 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 their effect well now i can start to pull them and I'll, I'll put yeah. that one down. I'll put that one up. You know, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> all right, now yeah. I'm a better father. I'm a better like business person. I'm better. I'm like, I'm just better on a team. Like, put me on any team. I'm going to be better because I understand this toggles with myself. So now having a conversation with someone else, I'm able to perhaps guide the direction of their physiology in like a very humble non-invasive way because if you're not that then they'll contract more and defend mm. uh and you're like wow all right this life mm. thing's starting to come together <laughs> <laughs> beautiful well now we we truly are at time so thank you so much for for this conversation uh, yeah, where is the best place for listeners to listen to your podcast get the book anywhere else you'd like to direct them to yeah people want to go deeper into like these toggles and and how to engage with them the book align method is is you know that's like the the like the appendix of all of that stuff that was kind of the, the function of the book was to make it be like a, like you already described previously i don't know if you got that language on your own or if you or if you borrowed it from me but it's like a user's manual for physical inhabitants you know like we never really got like a, a guide around that like you you get a, a learner's permit and then eventually driver's license to drive this a, a car and you understand how all the signals work you understand about changing the oil and you know the different different parts like you we don't really get that with a body yep. <laughs> like it's it's, yep. it's really impressive yeah yep. so the intention of the align method book is to provide that as podcast online podcast all the social media stuff is all online podcast and i have a, an online program launching the first week of October oh, that cool. goes through, you know, exactly how to do all this stuff. And then it's, it's a, the main premise of that really is like giving people the awareness and autonomy to be able to work with themselves. So understanding like mm-hmm. what is full functional range of motion of all of the joints look like, how do I arrive at that point? And then how do I integrate all of those parts so I can like start mm-hmm. to move like a human again? Mm-hmm. How do I run? How do I throw? How do I kick? How do I punch? How do I kind of like make this these human movements get started out? Because most of our, our our like fitness paradigm is very mechanistic. 
mm-hmm. which everything is is mechanistic like even mm-hmm. human movements are all very mechanistic but mechanistic in the sense of like we kind of look like robots you know we do bicep curls and tricep extensions and bench press and it's very two-dimensional like textbook frontal plane sagittal plane you know mm-hmm. it's like, so but tapping into like multi-planar movement and being able to connect all those parts that's i think the thing that i'm really interested in so that's going to be out the first week of october and people want to go into deeper into that there's a free community that everybody will be notified about all that stuff at alignpodcast.com slash community so that would be the places to go amazing well we'll be including all the links in the show notes and so i'd like to close with this wilke line he Mm. said Try to love the questions themselves and live them now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live your way into the answer. And so with that in mind, what is the question that is most alive in your consciousness? And what question might you leave our listeners with? Hmm. Hmm. Not the best, like, single one-liner stuff like that. I, the, the, I guess the thing that I, as you were saying that, the only thing that came up was like, just like, how do I be? Hmm. And not like, how do I be better? Just like, awesome. how do I be? That's the only thing that came to mind. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. We will wrap the show with that. Cool. Thank you, brother. Amazing. Good times. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It would mean a lot to me if you could take a few seconds to open up your podcast app and give Curious Humans a shiny five-star rating. This not only helps more people to find it, but it will help me to get more awesome guests in the future. And if you're not already subscribed, then the Curious Humans newsletter is where I share monthly morsels of interestingness and podcast updates. You can sign up for that at johnny.life. That's J-O-N-N-Y dot life.